Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. about tonight. I'm sad that it's the last service, but then again, I'm really excited about what we have in store for you. So there's a lot of emotions and I'm pregnant. So it's like, whew, I've got a lot going on up here. Um, but tonight, so welcome. We are so excited you're joining us. And so tonight I'm going to tell you, first of all, a little bit, okay, what is five for five? So if you've never been here before, this is um, obviously, it looks a little bit different. We have a bunch of people up here. Um, but five for five is five speakers for five minutes. Hopefully we all go five minutes, okay? I told them red is dead. <laughs> that means the confidence monitor goes red. Um, but it's okay, we have grace for that. So five speakers for five minutes. And um, so tonight we have decided um, to talk about one specific story, one specific narrative that I'm gonna share with you in a minute. And each one of us is gonna touch on a different part of that. And um, it's really, it's incredible. I mean, these people up here, um, they're my friends and they're also some of the most anointed people I know. And so I am just, I'm truly excited to receive from them tonight. And um, I know they have a great word for you guys. So I'm gonna go ahead and introduce them. Um, this is Pastor Tony Perez. Give him a wave. Yeah. Okay, you got a fan base out there. Good for you. So Pastor Tony, um, he is on staff here at Celebration with our student ministries. He's one of our riot pastors over at St. John's. And he's St. John, oh, we got St. John's in the house. What up? That's awesome. So Pastor Tony, um, he's awesome. He did the ministry school with Tyler and I, and um, Pastor Tony, he really is like, he is one of the people that when you're like, okay, somebody needs to pray right now. Tony, will you pray for us? And so we just love Tony, and um, it's so much fun being his friend, and him and Allie are such a great couple, and um, we love seeing them at our local Publix all the time. <laughs> um, so, okay, I'm gonna go in a different order. So next up is Pastor Keith Jr. Give him a wave, KP. Come on, say what up. What up? Hey. Um, you guys got to hear from Pastor Keith a couple weeks ago, so you know he's bringing the word. Um, I love Pastor Keith. He, him and Katrina are so great. Um, and he just has his new baby, which I don't know if you guys were here when he spoke, but he put up a picture of her. And, I mean, she is just so delicious, this little baby. And... Um, Pastor, she is, come on, you know. And um, so Pastor Keith, he's so great. He's also on staff here at Celebration. He is our arena campus, uh, riot campus pastor. Yes, and so that's awesome. I'm trying to think, we went to JU together, so that's really fun. Um, and then we have Pastor Elaine Owens. Give him a wave. Come on, give him a Pastor Elaine is also on staff. She's over our um, student ministries department, and um, she pretty much runs everything. Whenever I'm like, what do I do? I'm like, Elaine, what do I do with this? How do I, can you help me, please? Um, and so Elaine is just, I, I mean, I don't even, Elaine is like such a joy to work with, and I so look up to her, and she is just like, if you think of an anointed woman, it's Elaine. And I always tell her that she looks like Esther to me, because I just feel like she's just got it, you know? Um, and so I love Pastor Elaine. And um, okay, so last but not least, we have Pastor Tyler, who is our Set 30 pastor. Um, it's been so cool to get to pastor with Pastor Tyler. Him and Jess are so great. I love Jess. She's literally the happiest person. Just give him a wave. That's Pastor Tyler's wife. She's the happiest person I think I've ever met. She just, when she walks in the room, like, you just feel good, you know? And um, so we have Pastor Tyler up here tonight. And um, so something you may not know about Pastor Tyler and I, um, my name is Kelly. Also, I guess I should have probably done that first. I'm sorry. My name is Kelly. I am also a Sub 30 pastor. Pastor Tyler and I co-pastor together. And um, Pastor Tyler and I have actually been friends for a number of years, probably almost five years, 
four or five years, something like that. Uh, I was over there, were no who's counting. And, um, <laughs> and we went to the ministry school together. And it's really cool that now we get to work on staff together. Um, but before all of that, we actually just served in the riot together. And that was really fun. <laughs> it was crazy back then. It was called Fuse and nobody really knew what was going on. We were just trying to get students saved and in seats. And so it was just a lot of fun. And um, so something that we used to do back in those days when we were serving is Christmas parties. So Christmas parties were a huge deal for Fuse and the Riot. Like it was like we would plan and we would get this thing going. And so Tyler and I were really involved with that. And um, I guess one year, I'm not going to say we took it too far, but we really, we really went there with the Christmas spirit. And uh, I have a picture to show you guys. <laughs> just, throw, just put it up. Just put it Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so we dressed up as riot elves. That is full on onesies. It was really hard to find Tyler a onesie, but we did it somehow. I don't know. And so Merry Christmas from your sub-30 pastors in case you were wondering where we came from. That's where we came from being crazy and riot. Okay, so let's get into this tonight. So we are going to be talking out of John 11. And it is a story of Lazarus. And uh, so I get the honor and the privilege to kind of go over this story and really just give you guys a general overview and a glimpse of what we're going to be looking at tonight. Um, as I was reading this story, I don't, it was incredible because I've read this story so many times and like you kind of just know, you know, it's like, once you read a Bible story a lot, it kind of can just become like, oh, yeah, you know, I know that story, like that Jesus raises a man from the dead. But I found that, like, as I was reading the story more and more preparing, it was like God just kept bringing different pieces of it to life. And I was like, wow, like, there is so much emotion, there is so much power, there is so much humanity in this story. And so my prayer tonight is that we're able to bring that to life for each one of you that you're really able to get involved in this story and really able to see and feel and see how it can be a narrative of your life as well. And so I'm going to go ahead and start um, in verse 1. And so I'm going to give a lot of paraphrasing. I'm not about to read like 50 verses, I promise. Um, but I'm going to read the first verses and then we'll paraphrase from there, okay? So the verse 1 says, Now a man was sick, Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha, Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, and it was her brother Lazarus who was sick. So the sister sent a message to him. Oh, no, no. So the, yeah, so the sister sent a message to him. Lord, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard it, he said, this sickness will not end in death, but is for the glory of God so that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. So we kind of are set the stage here. A man named Lazarus is sick. Got it. He has two sisters, Mary and Martha. Got it. And they all know Jesus. They know Jesus well enough that Lazarus is called your friend when they ask Jesus for help. Your friend, Lazarus, is sick. So this story, if we can kind of just get that as like the base grounding, like if you can remember that for everything else I'm going to say, remember they knew Jesus and Jesus was their friend. And so what ends up happening is Jesus finds out Lazarus is sick. And he's doing ministry all around Israel. And he's at a place right now where he can't get to Lazarus immediately. It would be a two-mile journey. And so what ends up happening is he says to the messenger who was sent from Mary and Martha, he says, okay, this won't end in death. I'm going to stay here for two more days. And so his disciples are kind of like, all right, we're going to stay here, okay? So he'll just, you know, be sick for two more days. That's fine. And so they wait and they do their ministry. And then word is sent, your friend Lazarus has died. And so at this point, 
it's kind of a confusing moment to where you're like, okay, Jesus, you just said this isn't going to end in death, yet the man has died and you chose to stay two days. And I remember reading that and just being like, what? like why was that decision made? Wouldn't you expect God to move for his friend? Well, the story continues. And Jesus hears about it, and he says, all right, let's go. Let's go check it out. And so they head over there. And now the disciples at this point are, like, kind of confused. And one of them is even like, all right, we're going to go die with Lazarus. And I'm, like, reading that verse, and I'm like, what? Like, why would you think that? I don't understand that one, but okay, moving on. And so they get to the point where Jesus arrives at Bethany. And they say he doesn't enter the city, but he stands at the gate. And at this point, Martha, one of the sisters, she hears word that Jesus is at the town. And so she goes to him and she says this, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Lord, if you had been here. How many times have you said that to Jesus? I've said it to him. God, I've been praying about this. And if you had been here, Lord, if you had been here. And so Martha is saying, God, I don't understand. You know, my brother died and you said it wasn't gonna end in death and I sent you a message. So if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. The story continues. And Martha and Jesus have this conversation about the resurrection day. And there's a lot in that. Um, but basically, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and I'm going to raise him to life. And so we see that where Jesus says in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. And at this point, it's almost like Jesus is kind of talking in code because if you don't know the end of the story, you're kind of like, but he's dead. So, like, what are you saying? And Martha kind of had that moment, too, where she's like, no, I understand that on the resurrection day, we'll all be raised to life if we believe in Jesus. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 I'm the resurrection today. And so it continues. And um, after Martha and Jesus have this conversation. Jesus doesn't move from the spot he's at, but Martha goes home to her sister Mary, who's mourning at the house. And she goes to Mary and she says, Mary, Jesus wants to see you. And so Mary gets up and she goes to Jesus and she has a little bit of a different response. Her physical response is different, but her verbal one is the same. She comes to where Jesus was and she fell at his feet and told him, Lord, if you had been here, Lord, if you had been here, these sisters are feeling so much pain for their beloved brother who has just passed away. And their only response they can give Jesus is, Lord, if you had been here. I don't know about you, but that gives me a lot of hope. Because there's times in my own life when maybe I'm experiencing something and I have said to God, or maybe you have said to God, Lord, if you had been here. I don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand why my finances are going so badly. I have been tithing, and now I'm being evicted. What if you had been here? God, I don't understand why this relationship is failing, why this isn't working out. I prayed about this. I asked you. I sought your face about this. Lord, if you had been here. And so it continues. After Jesus meets with Mary, Jesus saw her crying. And I love that he says that. He saw her crying, but it didn't come without compassion from Jesus. He became angry in his spirit and deeply moved by her emotions. And he asked her, where have you put him? I love that part in the story because when I read it the first couple times, I really didn't take note of that part. I thought, okay, like we're getting on with the story now. Where have you put him? Something's going to happen. But then the last time I read it, I kind of realized like 
all right, God's going to move. Like, you know, there's sometimes when you're maybe praying and you're asking God, but well, we have to be alert and waiting for those moments when God speaks. Because this is a moment where God has spoken and he says, all right, where have you put him? And this is a time for Mary and Martha to take action. It was not time to mourn anymore. It was time for them to say, okay, well, he's over here. And so Jesus asked them, where have you put him? And so they say, Lord, come and see. And then we have verse 35, Jesus wept. It's a short verse. You may have heard it before. You may have heard it talked about. But basically, what that verse tells me and what it tells all of us is that Jesus feels our pain. Even though, even though he knew, he, he knew this wouldn't end in death, he said it in the very first verses of the story. This will not end in death. Yet Mary and Martha had experienced a death of their brother. They were mourning and Jesus wept with them. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're experiencing. It may be something so small to where you feel like this is ridiculous. I don't even want to ask somebody for prayer. Jesus is right there next to you and he feels it. Or you may be experiencing something that is so big. Jesus wept. He feels your emotion. He is with you. He understands. He cares. He genuinely cares. Jesus wept. And so they continue this story. And um, so basically at this point, they're kind of like the Jews, basically the people who were around Mary and Martha who were mourning were like, well, like he, he's healed blind people. We've seen him do other miracles. Why couldn't he have healed Lazarus? Like why couldn't they have healed the sick? But it's so cool because they were expecting God to do what he's always done, but God was going to do something he's never done before. So a lot of times when we are experiencing death, we need to realize, stop looking at what he's done. He's going to do a new thing. Come on. And so we continue. God's getting ready to do a new thing. And so Jesus became angry in himself again and came to the tomb. It was a cave and the stone was laying against it. And this, I love it. Jesus says, remove the stone. He wants everyone to be involved in the miracle. Remove the stone. Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, he's already decaying. It's been four days. Like, like this, like there's got to, like, I don't know what you're doing, Jesus, but like he is decaying. And I love this. Jesus told, tells her, didn't I tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? Jesus told us in the beginning of this story, this will not end in death. And God is saying, if you believed, you would see the glory of God. And so the story continues. They remove the stone. Jesus prays to his father. And then he says these words in a loud voice. Lazarus, come out. And this dead man, Lazarus, rises from the grave and is still his grave clothes and walks out of his tomb. Can you just picture this for a second? I mean, seriously, picture this. You're in the crowd. You're standing back. This man, Jesus, who you've heard about, you've heard him do miracles, you've heard that he's healed blind people. He stands in front of this tomb and he says, Lazarus, come out. And a dead man walks out of his grave. Here's the incredible thing. Is that Jesus calls us by name. He knows your name and he calls you out. And so the miracle that happened in Lazarus is a spiritual miracle that can happen in each and every one of us. There was a time when I was spiritually dead. And God had to call me by name and say, Kelly, come out. And so I don't know if you've been called by name yet and maybe you're still in your grave clothes. But each and every one of you has been or will be called by name and told to come out. And that is the incredible, incredible culmination of this miracle. 
It has its ups, it has its downs, it has its different aspects. But this man was raised to life by the words of Jesus. So come on, we're going to pray and then we're going to continue. God, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to hear from you tonight. Lord, I pray that it would be less of us and only you, Jesus. God, we thank you for the miracles that you do, that you are continually a miracle-working God, that your mercies are new every morning, that your miracles are never ceasing, God. Lord, I pray right now, Jesus, that you would just begin to spark our hearts, God, that our spirits would begin to light on fire, God, that there would be scriptures, that there would be words, that there would be points that are made by this message, that it would stick with us, Father God, that they would be imprinted on us, Father God. I pray for the people in the room tonight who you are calling by name, Jesus, I pray against any distraction, Father God. I pray that they would hear you so clearly tonight, that they would come out, that they would take off the grave clothes, Jesus' name. And God, we thank you for what you're going to do here in this room through our message, Father God, that it would be your words tonight that are spoken. So in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Awesome. Sub 30, how we doing tonight? You guys good? Awesome. As we continue in this story, in this miracle of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, there's a specific part of this story that just, it sticks out to me that I feel like each and every one of us can relate to. And it's found in verses three through six. So let's read those again really quickly. Verse three says, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now I get to this part of the story and I'm, it doesn't make sense to me. Jesus like, this is your boy Lazarus whom you love and he's sick and you choose to, you choose to wait two more days. It's almost like, Jesus, what are you waiting for? Like, what is the holdup? And when I got to start to think about it, it makes sense to me because we live in a world that no one really likes to wait on anything. We live in a I want it and I want it now type world. And if there's something that we want, the last thing that we want to do is wait for it. Patience is literally one of the hardest things to have these days. I'll be honest with you, there's, a, there's an area in my life where I seem to have no patience whatsoever, and it's, it's on the road and I'm driving. Can anybody relate? We live in Jacksonville, doesn't seem like anybody can drive. But this is what happens, I get behind someone going ungodly slow and I have no patience whatsoever, and I'm like, what are you doing? The speed limit says 65, you're going 40. Like, I have no patience. I've been behind this person two seconds and I, my whole day's ruined already. <laughs> but when I think about it, a reason, I feel like all of us can relate to that. And, and the reason being is when we're on the road, we don't have control of how fast the person is going in front of us. And it's the same way when we're following God, and that's on a much smaller scale, but I believe that there are much bigger situations in our life that we're waiting on God for, and we don't get to control the speed at which it's going. So, for example, we all have a situation, sometimes you may have experienced it, but 
You know, maybe you're in here and you're waiting on a promotion that you've been working extremely hard for and you feel like it's never going to come. Or maybe you've been praying every single day and you've been waiting patiently to meet that special someone and that day has yet to come. Hello, come on somebody. <laughs> or maybe you've just been praying every single day for a breakthrough, for a miracle in your life. And it just doesn't seem to feel like it's happening. All of us have that thing that we're waiting on God's timing for. But at the end of the day, if we are honest with ourselves, we don't like the speed at which God is moving at. And when we look at Mary and Martha, in their case, their brother is sick and he is dying and he doesn't have much more time to live. And what Jesus does is he deliberately delays his blessing and his miracle. It does not make sense. But what I want you to see is that Jesus delays his blessing and his miracle. He does not deny it. And I feel like there are some of you in here who feel like, God has denied your prayer requests or your most urgent needs, but, but just because your prayer requests have been delayed, it does not mean it has been denied. And when we continue to look at this story, this story shows us that there is a purpose behind the delay. Jesus says that this sickness will not end in death, but it is for God's glory that Jesus will be glorified through it. There is a purpose, God has a purpose for the seasons in your life where you feel like you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and all you can do is wait and God has a purpose. He's like, I'm trying to build your faith in these moments. I'm trying to show you what you really need to rely on and trust in my word and what I'm doing. And what I want you to show and what I want to encourage you with in this story is that Jesus does not leave Mary and Martha empty-handed while they waited. He gave them a promise. He gave them his word that this sickness will not end in death. Now, there are going to be seasons in your life where you're waiting on God for a miracle, and you've done all you can do, you've prayed all you can pray, and the only thing that you have left to do is stand on the word that he has given you and hold on to the promises that he's given you. Philippians 1.6 says that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. God promises that he will finish what he started. Galatians 6.9 says, let us not become weary in doing good. In the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I believe that's a word in here for somebody. You will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Stay faithful. Stand on his word. Hold on to the promises that he's given you because you're not just waiting on God's timing. You're waiting on everything that comes with this timing, all of heaven, all of his favor, all of his blessing, all of his miracles, the immeasurably more that he promised you, immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine is a promise from God. And all you need to do is stand on his word in those tough seasons. Hold on to the promise. Come on, if you believe that tonight, then give God some praise. Man, oh man, that was so good, man. You know, God doesn't, uh, he only delays it, he doesn't deny it. I thought that was just absolutely incredible. I was sitting over there with them and I was like, yo, Tony is freaking fire. Like, I don't know if y'all heard me in the front row, I felt loud. But uh, to continue on uh, in, in the word, man, I, I love what it says uh, in, in, in verse 20, 
when it, when it talks about how, you know, Martha went to the city gates and she went out to meet Jesus, but Mary stayed where she was in the house. Now watch this. And, and, and the question I want to ask you tonight, Sub 30, is what do you do when you're expecting a move of God, but God stays still? It, and the answer is this. It really depends on your positioning. You see, when God is moving, it's an opportunity for us to stay still. But when God stays still, it's an opportunity for us to move. So y'all know, y'all know a, a couple months ago, um, you know, we had Hurricane Matthew come through and that there were some parts of the city that were flood zones or evacuation zones. And uh, there are other parts of the city that weren't evacuation zones. Evacuation zones. Uh, so you were, you know, cool to stay where you were. And so uh, I remember that, you know, my dad in his house, he was in an evacuation zone, whereas me and my house, we weren't in an evacuation zone. And so I lived like five minutes down the road from my dad, like I'm right up the street. Like, so, I mean, when you factor in CPT, it's actually like 10, 15 minutes. But the, the, for all my white people, that's colored people time, because you know, we always late. Y'all get it now, now they laughing, they get it. The point is, the point is that I live close to my dad, right? <laughs> and so he was in an evacuation zone, remember, but we weren't. We went through the same storm, but different positions required different responses. Where he needed to evacuate, but we could stay where we were. And so here we see in the story of Lazarus, we see Martha who, who moved, but Mary who stayed still. The same storm, but different positions require different responses. And, and so watch this. So throughout scripture, right, we see that Martha was a worker. Martha was the type of chick that would, you know, cross her T's, dot her I's. She was all about that action, boss. Like, she was, she was about it, right? So much so to the point that, like, whenever Jesus was around, you know, Martha would be like, Jesus, can, can you get Mary? Like, she's not helping with any of the work. And, and every time we hear Mary mention the scripture, she's at the same place every time. See, Mary was more of a worshiper. And every time that Mary, this Mary is mentioned in scripture, she's at the feet of Jesus. So Martha was a worker. Mary was a worshiper. Watch this. This is crazy. Could it be, could it be that Martha needed to move because she was in the way? Let me say it again. Let me say it again. Could it be that Martha needed to move because her works were in the way? Um, God, I'm a Christian. Um, God, I'm, I'm close to you. God, you know, I, I attend church. God, I, I do my devotions. God, um, you know, I serve you. God, I tithe. Shouldn't that qualify me for a miracle? But I wonder how many of us need a move of God, but he's waiting for us to move out of the way. You see, in, in, in verse 25, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. And then you skip down to verse 32. It talks about then is when, is when Mary went out to the city gates to meet Jesus where he was. And then it says specifically in 32 that as soon as she ran out to meet Jesus, she bowed down at his feet. What do you do 
when you're expecting God to move, but it appears that he has stayed still? The answer is that you move out of the way and position yourself to praise. Now, now watch this, watch this. Now praise, praise is a byproduct of the revelation of who Jesus is. So when I recognize that I am wretched, I am a sinner, and apart from God, I am totally helpless and unable to help myself. The only thing I could do for myself is actually increase the debt and dig the hole even deeper. But God in his righteous love took my place in a beautiful exchange so that I could be brought to life, so that I could experience wholeness and newness and worship him. And so now I count it a privilege to be able to give the God the very thing he can't give himself. You ever think about that? God can't worship himself because to be able to worship, that implies that something has to be above him. Wow. <laughs> Praise is a byproduct of the revelation of who Jesus is. I, I love what, what God says in, in Exodus 3.14 when he's talking to Moses and he gives the I am statement and, 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 you know, Moses is talking to God and he says, and God says, you know, I am who I am. And basically what, what God is saying in this statement is, is he's saying that whatever you need me to be, I will be. Or whatever you need me to be, I am. Right? And so I feel that, that there's somebody in here and, 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 you know, we come in with a, a wide variety of different things that, that we're struggling with. But I felt like God wanted to specifically say to somebody tonight that I am your provider. I am your redeemer, I am your salvation, I am your freedom. I am your hope. I am all that you need. I am the one that loved you when nobody else would. I am the one that wanted you when nobody else could. I am your peace, I am your hope, I am your joy. I am the way and the truth. I am the resurrection and the life. You see, when my faith is tested by the, the various trials and, and hardships that this life brings me, it's an opportunity for me to move out of the way and still myself in the presence of a faithful God. So I ask again, Sub 30, what do you do when you're expecting God to move, but it appears that he's staying still? You have to move out of the way and position yourself for praise. Now, why don't you give your God a shout? Amen. Let's just wrap it up. We'll just end it right now. Come on, KP. Give it. Hello. Come on. Give it up. Y'all, these, these communicators are incredible. That sucks that I have to follow you. Whatever. I'm going to. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to kind of pick up the scene where Jesus has now come, and he's come to the tomb of Lazarus. And Mary and Martha are there, and the disciples are with Jesus, obviously. So the scene that, that I want you to get in your mind is that they're, they're outside. They're looking at the tomb where Lazarus has been laid. And there's a crowd there, and they've been mourning. And there's Jesus, Mary, Martha, Jesus' disciples, the family of Mary and Martha, the friends of Mary and Martha, people from the town, random people who have come to see Jesus is in town. What's, what's about to happen? 
And I want to pick up in verse 38. It says, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. And Martha, in her classic way, objects. She's so logical, and she has an opinion about everything. She says, Lord, are you sure you want to roll that stone away because it stank? Okay, he's been in the grave four days. There's a bad odor. Are you sure, Jesus, that that's what you want to do? Are you sure? Anybody in here like to question Jesus? Lord, are you sure? Are you sure you want me to give that offering? Lord, are you sure? No, just me. Okay. (laughs) Jesus says in verse 40, didn't I tell you, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Verse 41, so they took away the stone. So they took away the stone. You know, it, it is just a wonder to me that Jesus would ask or even engage the crowd who is here, that he would even have a conversation with them. This is Jesus, okay? He is the son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the creator of the universe, the miracle maker. There is nothing he cannot do. Surely he can roll a stone away. Surely he can wave his hand or wink an eye and cast that stone or make it turn into rubble. He, is the, he has done miracle after miracle after miracle. Lame are walking, blind are seeing, wind and waves obey him. Surely you can move a stone away, Jesus. Why are you asking us? We're just normal people in the crowd. We're just hurting people. We're people who are mourning. We're people who have lost someone. The crowd, what can they do? This is the picture of grace, okay? I want you to get this. The picture of grace is that Jesus could do it, but he chooses to say, come in close, come in. I want you to be a part of this, not just watching, not just spectating, but participating in this miracle. Jesus is going to do what he can do and what he can only do, but you have a part to play. You have a part to play because Jesus invites you in. He doesn't cast you out. If you are mourning, if you are in that crowd, if you are hurting, and I know there are so many of us who are hurting, especially around this time, we're hurting, we're mourning. Maybe we're questioning Jesus. Maybe we're mumbling like some of the people in the crowd. Jesus, you made blind people see and lame people walk. What is the deal with Lazarus? Why did you wait? Why did you just now show up? What's about to happen? And now Jesus says, come in. You have a part to play. Sub 30, you have a part to play in someone else's miracle. You have a part to play. It's not difficult. We make things complicated, but it's not difficult. This is what it looks like. Practical example, okay? I have a very dear friend. She removed the stone so that some people could come and hear the word of Jesus, to hear his voice speak to them and say, you are in a grave, but you don't belong there. This is what she did. She sent a text message to her family, a couple of family members, and said, hey, guess what? Christmas Eve, December 24th at 1 o'clock p.m., you're going to come to Celebration Church. We're doing this incredible service. See you there. Just a couple of family members. 16 people have said, yes, I will go. 
Yes, I will come on Christmas Eve and I will hear the word of God because I know that I will be accepted because you invited me, because you rolled the stone away. 16 people are gonna be in these seats. They're gonna hear the word of Jesus. Their lives are going to be changed forever because of a text message. So the question is, Sub 30, what, what is preventing you from rolling the stone away? The beautiful thing about Jesus speaking to the crowd is that, you know, you don't have to roll, in order to roll a stone away, you don't have to be a rabbi or a pastor or a preacher. You don't have to have a Bible college degree, even though that's great. You don't have to have all this theological expertise. You don't have to know what hermeneutics and homiletics and exegesis and all these fancy things are. You don't have to know that. You know what you have to do in order to roll the stone away? Be willing to work. Be willing to move. Be willing to push. Be willing to remove obstacles. Be willing to work when Jesus says, and have a desire in your heart that there is a life on the other side of that stone. There is a life on the other side, and if you can remove an obstacle, then they can hear the word of the Lord and have a brand new life given to them. So sub 30, I wanna go back to this one verse. As I ask you, what is it that's keeping you from removing an obstacle? What's keeping you, is it fear? Is it doubt? Is it unbelief? You know, this verse, it says, Jesus said, didn't I tell you if you believe that you would see the glory of God? Do you believe that you can play a part? Do you believe that you can play a part in someone's miracle? Come on, y'all keep it going for Pastor Elaine. You know, as much as you don't believe you can preach, you can preach, Pastor Elaine. We love you. So I love, I love how she mentions this, this word believe there at the end of her message because this is actually exactly what I wanted to, to, to kind of encourage everybody in tonight. And this story of Lazarus, I'm sure we can all agree, it's, it's amazing, right? There's so many different levels and perspectives and, and, and revelation that you could take from, from, this, from this profound narrative, this profound miracle, right? And so as I, as I studied the scriptures in, in, in John 11, as, as, I, as I read through this, I just, God just gave me this, this, this continuous theme of, of believe. Believe, believe. And, 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 I, and I, I feel like he wants to encourage some people in here tonight with that word alone, believe. And, and so I, I, I read through and I have just a few thoughts on, on, on this, this narrative regarding this, 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 theme of, this, this theme of believe, right? And so though I, I saw lots of different themes of, of believing and belief through this, this story, I also saw something else, that, that with Lazarus's death came a lot of doubting and it came a lot, with a lot of questions, right? You, you have it on min, many different accounts. You have, you have the disciples there questioning Jesus at the beginning of the narrative, you know, why, 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 asking all these, these questions to Jesus instead of just following him. And then Later on, when Jesus, Jesus shows up on the scene, you have Mary and Martha with, with almost an attitude of like, God, if only you were here. God, if only you were here, you could have raised, my brother wouldn't be dead right now. Almost an attitude of, of blame for him not being there. And then, and then later in the story, Pastor Elaine just got in talking about it. You have them at the tomb and Jesus is getting ready to perform this miracle. And he tells them to roll the stone away. And here comes Martha, Jesus, are you sure? Because it's, it's stank in there. Like, are you sure? 
as he begins to, to perform this miracle, there's doubt. And if we're honest with one another, I'm sure we could say and all agree that, that we've, we've found ourselves in, in this sort of posture maybe once or twice in the midst of some circumstances or some situations in our life. God, why me, God? Why now? Why, why, why? God, if only you just answered my prayer, if only you just opened that door when I asked you to open that door. God, are you sure? Are you sure? Because, I mean, this looks, this looks pretty dead right here. Are, are you sure that, that this can even live again? I don't think this can even live again. I'm sure we can all be transparent and honest and say, I know for myself, I've, my, my heart's been in, a, in one of these postures before, but, but despite all of these doubts and, and, and worries and questions, man, how many of you are thankful tonight that we serve a miracle working God? How many of you are thankful tonight that we serve a faithful God? We serve an intentional God. And, and I say we serve an intentional God because as I read through the scriptures, I noticed just a couple, a couple of things. I noticed that, that in this narrative as a whole, the word believe is mentioned seven times. And, and furthermore, I came to the realization that this is actually the seventh recorded miracle that Jesus performs. And, and if you're not aware already, the biblical representation of the number seven is completeness and wholeness. And I think that God wants to use that in some li someone's life tonight in saying that you may have some areas that seem like they're dead, that seem like they may not ever be able to come back to life. But in re all reality, God's working beneath the surface to bring you to a place of completeness, to bring you to a place of wholeness. But do you believe, Sub 30? Do you believe that what's dead can come back to life? Do you believe that he's a miracle working God? Do you believe that he's the resurrection and the life. You see, we go through trials and, and situations in our life and, and we may feel like we're being attacked. We may feel like, God, why are you doing this to me right now? But let me encourage you with something tonight, Sub 30, that though you may be going through trials and circumstances and situations, God's not using these things to dismantle you. He's using these things to develop you. He's using these things to strengthen your faith, to raise your level of belief in Him. The narrative describes it perfectly. It says at the beginning, this will not end in death. And there at the end, I love, Jesus actually begins to pray before this miracle happens. And he says, God, I don't have to pray to you, but, but I know you're gonna work this miracle. I already know the outcome of this. This is so they may believe. And tonight, we need to be encouraged in that, that we're going, we may go through stuff. We talked about the holiday seasons are coming up, and, and some of us may feel like we don't have anywhere to go. Some of us may feel like we don't have family, or we may have lost loved ones. But let me encourage you that you're being developed. It may seem like a dark season. It may seem like God's not there, God's not present. Your expectations may have not been met. The timing may seem off. But God is there in the midst, developing you in completion and perfection, but tonight you have to make a decision to believe, sub 30. See, we serve an intentional God. Jesus knew from the beginning of, of this situation when he got the news of Lazarus, even before that, that this would end in a miracle. But it was strategically developed so that the faith and the belief of the disciples and Mary and Martha and the others involved in this narrative would be would be re re restored, would be re re revived. Their belief level would be restored. And tonight, there's some people in here tonight that need to believe again. There's some people in here tonight that, that, that need to believe again, but there's also some people in here tonight that need to believe maybe for the very first time in your life. And so I'm gonna do two responses tonight. And I'm gonna ask you 
if either one of these pertain to you or speaks to you or God moves upon your heart with either one of these, that you be bold enough to make that declaration over your, over your life. And so for that first group, maybe you're in here tonight and, and you're in that situation where, where there's dead things in your life. And they might've been dead for days or months or years, or, or you need a miracle in your life. And, and you've got to the point where like, God, I prayed and prayed, I can't even believe it's gonna even happen anymore. So your belief for that to be revived isn't, isn't there anymore. Whatever that looks like for you, you need to make a decision tonight and a declaration tonight and stand on God's promise and say, I don't know what the outcome of this is gonna be. I know that it might not make sense, but I'm gonna believe that my God is gonna pull through. I'm gonna believe that there will be a miracle despite what the timing may look like in this situation. And so if that's you, I'm just gonna ask you to be bold tonight. If you need to get to a place of belief tonight, if you need God to come into your life and revive a situation in this place tonight, I'm just gonna count to three. I'm gonna ask you to, 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 to raise your hand. Be bold. One, two, three. Come on, guys. Give God some praise. Amen. Hands up all over this room. But do you believe, Sub 30? And there's another group that group that I, I, I talked about just a second ago that maybe you need to believe for the very first time in your life. Maybe you came into church tonight, this might be your first time ever in, in a church. You, you, you may have not even seen anything like this in your life. Or it's your first time at Sub 30, or you haven't been in years and you got drug here by a friend who told you it was like this really cool nightclub. By the way, that's legendary, good job for that friend. But you know in your heart, God's stirring and he said you need to make a decision tonight to put me at the center of everything, to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. You see, what I love is the, the entire Christian faith hinges on, this, the, on this, this thing of believing, right? We receive salvation in wholeness and completeness like Keith Jr. was talking about. We receive our salvation by making the conscious decision to accept Jesus into our hearts, to put him above all else. And so tonight, some people need to make that decision. And so, again, I'm going to ask for, for there to be boldness in this room tonight because I know God's speaking, and I know there's some people who are going to come into freedom tonight. And I know there's some people who are going to experience the joy of the Lord for the first time tonight and praise God for that. But you've got to make the decision. You've got to be bold in it. And so I'm going to do the same thing on the count of three with, with every head up, every eye open. Because last time I checked personally, I think that, that people coming to know Jesus and receiving salvation should be something that we celebrate in church rather than hide. And so right now, if this is you, just raise your hand in the air. One, two, three, raise your hand in the air. You need Jesus in your life? Come on, somebody. Yes. Anybody else? I'll give you a few more seconds. Praise God. It doesn't matter if it was one or 100. We just have people enter into the kingdom of God tonight, Sub 30. And so at this moment, you know, I talked about being bold, and I'm going to ask you to be even bolder. If, if you are under either one of those categories, you need God to move in your life. You need to believe again that your God is a miracle-working God. Or you just raise your hand to accept Jesus for the very first time, maybe. I want you to get out of your seat right now and come meet me down here at this altar. Come on, guys, put your hands together for him. Show him some love. Be bold. If you raise your hand, come on up. 
They're still coming. We're still clapping, Sub 30. Come on. Do you believe that God can move in this house tonight? Come on. They're still coming. You guys can fill in the sides. Fill in the sides. Man, God wants to show some things to some people tonight, y'all. There's going to be freedom in this house tonight. Do you believe? Praise God. You know, first and foremost, for each and every person standing up here at this altar, man, as, as, and I can say this on behalf of Pastor Kelly, man, as your pastors, we're proud of each and every one of you. We're proud for, for you being bold enough to come up to stand at this altar and, and declare your faith and declare and be transparent about your needs. And so right now, if everyone just extend a hand to everybody standing up here at this altar, we're going to pray for some people. We're going to go back to a worship song. Man, and God's going to do some, some miraculous things in this place because we serve a, mir a miracle working God, right? So Father God, right now, I just pray that your Holy Spirit begins to fall on every single person under the sound of my voice. Those people watching online, the people here in the arena, God, I just pray that even in this moment, God, you begin to perform miracles, God. You begin to break chains, God. You begin to give revelation to people's hearts, Father God. I just pray right now for each and every person who's needing a miracle, who's needing something dead to come back to life, God, that you just intervene miraculously, God, that your Holy Spirit brings healing, God, that your Holy Spirit brings clarity, Father God, that you give breakthrough to tonight, Father God. I thank you for each and every son and daughter that just entered into the kingdom, Father God. And I just pray for protection over their hearts, God. I just pray for protection against the attack of the enemy, God. We bind the lies of the devil tonight in Jesus' name, God. And right now, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your power. We thank you that you are a miracle working God. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.